Amen. Romans chapter 1 is where we're going to be this evening. Romans chapter 1. So if you would remain standing and take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter number 1. And we're going to just read uh, three verses tonight. Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. Romans 1, 14 through 16. And this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome, and he says in Romans 1.14, he says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Lord, we're grateful for the opportunity to gather together. Thank you for the songs that we were able to sing, for these children's memory verses, uh, what a blessing that is. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would use this time now in your word to uh, challenge us, to uh, be effective as we go out uh, this week. Uh, in preparation for our Easter services, Lord, I pray you'd use us to get the gospel out uh, effectively this week, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. The story of the Apostle Paul is a dramatic story of life change. His entire life was radically changed with one decision. 180 degrees. Uh, his life's purpose, his life's desire, his eternal destination, and even his name was changed on a road just outside of a town named Damascus. And if you read Acts chapter 9, we won't take the time tonight, but Acts chapter 9 records uh, how and when the Apostle Paul became a Christian. Uh, he was on his way to Damascus in order to persecute Christians, and a bright light shone from heaven and uh, caused him to fall to the ground, and, and in that process, the Apostle Paul uh, was saved. And of course, his name wasn't the Apostle Paul, it was Saul, Saul of Tarsus, if you recall, uh, not to be a poet, but I am, and I do know it at times, um, but I'm not as good as Brother Corey, so where are you, Brother Corey? You're here, I've seen you, there you are, okay. So uh, I'll, 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 I'll leave the poetry to you, my friend, because uh, it just doesn't jive with me. Well, what produced this amazing life change in the Apostle Paul? Well, in short, it was simply the gospel of Jesus Christ. It changed his life. And uh, I would assume that uh, you're in the same boat as well, which is why you're here. Because the gospel of Christ completely changed your life as well. Uh, you were headed one direction, and, and uh, the gospel of Christ came into your life, and it completely changed the course and direction of who you are. Now, on Sunday mornings, we've been studying the I Am statements of Jesus Christ in the book of John. Uh, Jesus said seven different times, I am this, and we've been studying those. Well, tonight, I want to look at three I Am statements of the Apostle Paul. Uh, in Romans chapter number 1. And in these three I Am statements, Paul mentions three very important responses to this powerful, life-changing gospel. And uh, this week, uh, leading up to Easter, people are 
aware that they should be somewhere to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. I mean, uh, most people uh, go to church on Christmas and Easter. They're the CEO Christians, right? Uh, Christmas or Easter is when they're in church. Um, now, as a result of that, people are open to the gospel. They're open to spiritual things. They know that uh, in American culture, as Easter approaches, they begin to start thinking a little bit more religious. So there's, uh, there's an openness to the gospel during this time of year like there is not in any other time of year. In fact, even more so, I believe, at Easter than it is in Christmas time, because Christmas time, uh, most people are thinking more family gatherings and family celebrations, whereas Easter, they, they know that it's time to uh, go to church and it's time to maybe go back to their religious roots, so to speak. And so there's an openness to the gospel uh, or to religious things during Easter season than there, like there isn't any other time. So, there, in, as I think about our own community, there is an opportunity for us to get the gospel of Christ out into our community this week uh, that we won't have again until next year, Easter time. So, uh, we want to take advantage of this opportunity that is before us. And uh, as I was thinking about that, I thought uh, back to uh, Romans chapter 1 when Paul said, I am three different times in these three verses, and uh, some things that we can learn, some responses to the gospel um, that he had that, that we could adopt as well as we think about getting the gospel out into our community this week. So what are these three responses to the gospel? Well, first of all, we see Paul's burden, um, and uh, that's we find in verse number 14 when he said, I am debtor. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, he said, both to the wise and to the unwise. A um, couple thoughts about Paul's burden here. He, was, he knew he was a debtor, and, and when you owe someone, you have, uh, you have that burden that kind of is in the back of your mind, and maybe not even the back of your mind, the forefront of your mind, that you, you owe someone something, and so you <clears throat> uh, just want to kind of do what you can to uh, get get that paid back, so to speak, to settle the, to settle the record there. Well, who was he a debtor to? Well, first of all, he was a debtor to his eternal master. He was a debtor to his eternal master. Uh, now, that's not necessarily found here in verse 14. We have to go all the way back up to verse number 1 of Romans chapter 1. Notice how the Apostle Paul uh, begins this particular book of the Bible. This particular letter, he says in verse number one, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. So first he said, hey, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. He didn't go, come and declare his apostleship first. That wasn't the first thing he talked about. The first thing he mentioned was he was simply a servant of Jesus Christ because he never got over the fact that he knew he was debtor to the Lord for what Christ had, did, had, had done in his life. Um, it wasn't that he had to pay him back, but it was, a, uh, it was a desire to serve the Lord so much because of what Christ had done for him. Uh, there's a lot of songs that we sing here that uh, here in our church that uh, point to the fact that, hey, I, I know that I am a debtor to the Lord as well. 
there's a song, some, there, there's a phrase in a song, Here, Lord, I give myself away, tis all that I can do. And uh, that, what, what, what Paul's saying here is, Lord, you've done so much in my life. You've completely changed the course of my life, the direction of my life, my eternal address. You've even changed my name. You've done so much for me. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. Uh, I want to give you my life. I want to be your servant. Another song sometimes we sing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Now, again, there's no way we can pay back God for anything, and he doesn't want us to pay back anything. It is a free gift, eternal life is, but again, it should propel in us or compel us to want to serve him, and and uh, Paul definitely was that way. He he knew he couldn't pay the Lord back and settle the score, but he did want to give his life uh, and, and to serve the Lord with his life uh, because of what Christ had done for him. Another song we like to sing, A love so amazing, so divine. Well, it demands my life, my soul, my all. And when Paul was saying, hey, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, he says, look, when I consider all that God had done in my life and how he... Uh, died on the cross, and he rose again the third day, and, and how he allowed me to hear the gospel, and, and how he completely radically changed the course of my life, and given me so many things. Absolutely, I want to serve him. Yeah, absolutely, I want to give my life to be his servant. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm sorry, uh, Paul here is writing to the church at Corinth, and he says in uh, verse number Verse number 14, he says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So as he thought about the love of Christ and the change that God made in his life, he said, I want to live my life for you. I want to serve you with my life. So he was, first of all, a debtor to his eternal master. And by the way, uh, I hope that all of us have that healthy, uh, that healthy realization as well. Again, there's no way we can pay the Lord back for what he did. There's no way. But I hope that all of us have a desire to serve the Lord. You say, well, I'm not a pastor. I, I'm not a servant. You don't have to be in full-time ministry to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Uh, God wants us all to be ministers, right? Every member, a minister, uh, a minister is just simply a fancier word for servant. All of us need to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter uh, what you, where you draw your paycheck from. It doesn't matter. Uh, we all need to be servants of the Lord Jesus. So he was debtor, first of all, to his eternal master, but then he was also debtor to every man. At least he felt like he was. In Romans 1, verse 14, Paul says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So what Paul's saying is, I, am, I owe the Lord first, but then as a result of me owing to the Lord, now I owe every man as well the gospel. Okay, it's... It's like, let's say that, uh, Luke, would you mind coming up here and helping me? I probably should have asked my wife for, for help here because I don't, I don't have any cash. But let's say that, uh, okay, I'm going to give you 
my debit card. This is dangerous, okay? You are not allowed to leave the property, okay? Or to see Miss Rebecca, okay? You're not allowed to do that because she's, <laughs> she's able to take this. And, uh, okay, now here's the deal. Uh, hey, I'm your dad, right? Am I your dad? Okay. I want you to take this. Now, this is just hypothetically speaking, okay? This isn't actually truth, okay? But uh, I'd like you to go to the ATM, get some money, and give it to give it to Mason. 20 bucks, okay? So I give this debit card to him, and now, okay, here's, so he has the, he has the ATM card. Who does, who is he debtor to now? He's debtor to two people. He's debtor to me because I, as his father, have told him to accomplish a task, and now he is also uh, debtor to Mason. So he owes Mason 20 bucks, okay? But not with my ATM card, <laughs> okay? But the idea is, okay, the Lord has given Luke the gospel, and now he said, I want you to go give the gospel to Mason, okay? Okay, no. <laughs> we'll use this for, for the rest of the illustration, okay? Here's the gospel, okay? And now I want you to go give it to Mason, and, and go ahead and you can give that one to him, okay? Okay, you can be seated. In that illustration, okay, the Lord has given me the gospel, hasn't he? And now he has told me, with that gospel, I want you to go and give it to Mason. And I want you to go give it to every person, every man, the barbarian, the Greek. Uh, here it says, uh, the Greeks, barbarians, wise and unwise. And so Paul said, hey, look, I am debtor to the Lord because he's entrusted me with the gospel of Christ. And now I'm also debtor to the men and women who he has called me to give the gospel to. Does that make sense? So uh, that's what Paul felt. He felt this burden that he was a debtor to, yes, he's eternal master because he was entrusted with the gospel, and now he's also debtor to every man because he's supposed to give the gospel to those around him. And uh, he was saying, hey, look, even though they haven't done anything for me, even though that, uh, I, but I feel like I still owe them. You think about uh the, one of the greatest examples in my mind that, that comes into my mind is a mom. A mom looks at her child, especially the, the, young, the young, young ones who, who can't do anything for them. And, uh, and she just feels this, like she owes this little child her life. And so she invests and gives so much to this little precious uh, baby that can't do anything for him except for uh, sleep and cry and other stuff. And uh, that, that's what they do for them. And, uh, and yet mom loves them and is willing to give so much for them. I realize that, you know what, as we look at the people around us that, that live here and more, uh, they may not do anything for you, but guess what? God has called us to get the gospel to them. And we owe them because God has given us the gospel. Now we have then a responsibility to get the gospel to them. That's what Paul was, was saying here. Uh, you and I owe something to every man and woman in this community, to the drunkard and to the religious moral man and to the atheist and everyone in between. 
And uh, here at Cornerstone Baptist Church, we don't target certain demographics. Because the truth is, if you're breathing, you need the gospel. And uh, we are to preach the gospel, as uh, Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, we're to preach the gospel to every creature. So red and yellow, black and white, yes, they get the gospel. Rich and poor, famous, unknown, everyone in between, uh, we need to get the gospel to every man. And so Paul's burden first was uh, that he, he felt like, I am a debtor. I'm a debtor to the Lord who has done so much for me and has entrusted me with the gospel. And as a result, I'm also now a debtor to every man, uh, boy, girl, it doesn't matter. I need to get the gospel to those around me. So first he had this burden in our heart. And I hope that you and I have a healthy burden in our hearts too to get the gospel. Uh, look, if we don't do it, who is going to? Now, I praise the Lord for other good churches in our area that are doing it. Um, many times out door knocking, we've run into others in our area who are out getting the gospel out. And, you know, praise the Lord for that because they're trying to get the same message we are. Um, now, I take their flyers off and put ours on because, you know, we're the better church. But anyway, no, I, I'm teasing. I don't do that. Um, I, but I am thankful for other churches in our area who are trying to get the gospel out. But, but look, we can't depend upon them to do the job that God's called every believer to do. Uh, God's called our church to be involved in that as well. And we need to have that same burden that Paul had. I am debtor. So we see his burden. Then we see, secondly, his boldness in verse number 15. He said, because of this burden that I have, it has produced in me a boldness. Verse 15, so as much as in me is, I am ready to debate you. No, he says, I am ready to preach the gospel, gospel to you that are in Rome also. Because of this burden that he had, because he realized that he was a debtor to every man, he he, realized he was ready to preach the gospel, and he wanted to get the gospel to uh, the people there at Rome. He was now ready to do something about it. He didn't just have an intention. He, he wanted to actually do something about it. And I've mentioned this a few times, but one of my college professors gave me advice way back in the day. He told us to always be ready to preach, pray, or die. And uh, good advice. Um, are you ready to die? And of course, that makes you, you need to make sure of your salvation. You need to make sure that you're right with God and that you're ready to meet your, your Lord. And, um, and then be always on praying ground because you don't always know when you're going to need to stop what you're doing and have a real prayer for someone who is in great need. And then also be ready to preach. Now, it's not just have a sermon in your Bible ready to go. That's partly what he meant. But another uh, thing is, look, as we go out in the community, you don't know when God's going to cross your path with somebody who needs the gospel right then and there. Are you ready to preach? First uh, Peter 3, 15 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So we're to be ready always, uh, not just, you know, uh, when it's convenient and when we're going out at, in the organized times, although I'm thankful for that. But uh, be ready always at work, at school, um, out in the community. Always be ready to uh, preach the gospel. Paul was 
uh, here in verse number 15, he said, I want to preach the gospel. He was ready to preach in Rome. Uh, when he preached in Jerusalem, the religious center of the world, he was mobbed. When Paul preached in Athens, the intellectual center of the world, he was mocked. And when he preached in Rome, the legislative center of the world, he was martyred. Uh, that's when Paul was beheaded, when he was, when he was in Rome. And, uh, and he was ready for that. He was ready uh, to meet the Lord. He was, always, he was always ready to preach, pray, or die after he got saved, you know. Um, I think he, was, he fit that category for sure. Paul mentioned in 2 Timothy 4, in, verse, uh, well, in, in, in chapter 4, I think it's verse number 7 or 8, he says, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Now, he wasn't sitting at the, uh, you know, gate five at uh, Oklahoma City Airport, you know. Uh, no, he, he wasn't looking to board an airplane and depart that way. He was talking about leaving this earth. He knew that his days were numbered and his, his time was short here on this earth. And, and he was ready. Are you ready, again, to die? I hope the answer is yes. But then, are you ready to preach? Are you uh, looking for those opportunities? come. Paul was bold and uh, he was ready. But then thirdly we see not only uh, Paul's burden and Paul's boldness but then thirdly we see Paul's belief. In verse number 16 he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He he. He was so convinced of the gospel that it, it created this confidence, this I am not ashamed of the gospel uh, mentality, and he had tremendous belief and confidence in the gospel. Uh, why? Why did he have such confidence in the gospel? Well, his confidence was based on, first of all, the supremacy of the gospel, the supremacy of the gospel. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And this is the only gospel, really, that can save. Uh, there is no other gospel that can save. It, only the gospel of Christ. And, and that's why he wasn't ashamed of it, because it was not the gospel of Paul. It was the gospel of Christ. It was the only gospel that can save. So the supremacy of the gospel, the sufficiency of the gospel as well. His confidence was based on the sufficiency of the gospel. Um, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It was sufficient to save. Um, it wasn't like you needed the gospel of Christ plus something else. No, it was sufficient in and of itself to bring salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So it was sufficient. And his confidence was also based on the simplicity of the gospel. Uh, in verse number 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Uh, the simplicity of the gospel. It's so simple that anyone, all you simply need to do is believe the gospel. It doesn't say uh, do certain things. It doesn't say you have to, uh, you know, be a member of a church and get baptized and uh, do certain things, give to the church, 
uh, get the gospel out. You don't have to do any of those things to have salvation. It says, to everyone that simply believeth. And so as a result of the gospel and the sufficiency of it, the simplicity of it and the supremacy of it, he said in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. There was a Rwandan man in 1980 who was forced by his tribe to either renounce Christ or face certain death. And uh, if you were forced with that type of a decision, what decision would you make? Would you renounce Christ or would you say, show me where the execution chair is? Well, this man refused to renounce Christ and was killed right on the spot. Well, it's interesting, the night before he was killed, he had written something that was later found in his room. What was it that he wrote? Well, the words of his saying uh, go like this. He says, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back. I won't let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, chintzy giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plotus, or popularity. I now live by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set, my gait is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until heaven returns, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear because I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. Now, what about you? I don't really want to ruffle any feathers. Look, I, as we were talking about in our Sunday school class, I, I believe the time has come for Christians to stop worrying about ruffling feathers in our culture today. We need to stand up and say like the Apostle Paul in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, we can't fish, fix all the social woes, but I'm telling you, we, we, we got to get back to uh, being bold about preaching the gospel of Christ in our workplaces, in our schools. That's what's going to change our, our culture, uh, not uh, more social media, but uh, preaching the gospel. We've got to get unashamed again. On the morning of September 11th, 2001, that fateful day, Jeannie Bracca switched on the television to check the weather report only to hear that a plane had just hit the World Trade Center. Well, Jeannie's husband, Al, worked as a 
corporate bond trader for Cantor Fitzgerald, and his office was on the 105th floor of Tower One. Al had, Al had survived the World Trade Center bombing in 1993 and had even helped a woman with asthma escape from the building. Jeannie knew that Al would do the same thing this time. I knew he would stop to help and minister to people, she said, but I never thought for a minute that he wouldn't be coming home. Well, a week later, like so many others who were in that building, Al's body was found in the rubble. Al's wife, Jeannie, and his son, Christopher, were crushed. They were devastated. Then the reports began to trickle in from friends and acquaintances. Some people on the 105th floor had made a last call or sent a final email to loved ones saying that a man was leading people in prayer. A, re a few referred to Al by name. Al's family learned that Al had indeed been ministering to people during the attack. When Al realized that they were all trapped in the building and would not be able to escape, Al shared the gospel with a group of 50 co-workers and led them in prayer. This news came as no surprise to Al's wife, Jeannie. For years, she and Al had been praying for the salvation of these men and women. And according to Jeannie, Al hated his job and couldn't stand the environment. It was a world so out of touch with his Christian values, but he simply wouldn't quit. Al was convinced that God wanted him to stay there, to be a light in the darkness. And although Al would not have put it this way, to be a hero. You see, Al was not ashamed of Christ and Christ's words, and he, prayed the, he paid the price of taking up his cross daily. Al shared his faith with his co-workers, many of whom sarcastically nicknamed him the Rev, <laughs> short for the Reverend. And on that fateful day on September 11th, in the midst of chaos, Al's co-workers looked to him, and Al delivered. At the same time, Al, too, tried to get a phone call through to his family. He asked an MCI operator to contact his family. Tell them that I love them, he said. Well, it took the operator more than a month to reach the Baracus, but the message brought them much-needed comfort. The last thing my dad did involved the two things most important to him, God and his family, his son Christopher told a writer for Focus on the Family. He loved to lead people to Christ. That takes a weigh a lot of the hurt and the pain, knowing he did what he loved to do. Al wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And in that moment, he was able to make a great difference. God has given us an open door this week here in Moore, Oklahoma, to get the gospel to people who need it. Uh, let's have the burden that Paul had, in, that he had in verse number 14, where he realized that he was a debtor. May the Lord help us to remember that we are indeed debtors to God because he's entrusted us with the gospel. I mean, it, 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 think about it. If, if you found the cure to cancer and you're like, well, good, I got, I got my cure. I cured my cancer, but I'm going to keep it to myself and not share it with anybody else. That's, that would be kind of selfish, wouldn't it? God has given us the cure for something far worse than cancer. He's given us the cure for our sin. And he's told us now to share that with others. Uh, let's remember that we are debtors. And may that cause us, in verse 15, to be ready to preach, no matter the cost. Uh, Paul was ready to preach in Rome, and when he did, he ended up being martyred. 
I'm not saying, hey, we go out and invite people to church. That's not exactly the best advertisement for getting the gospel out and more, is it? Uh, but Paul was ready, and uh, I want us to be ready this week to get the gospel out and, and uh, to have the, the same belief that Paul had in verse 16 that, hey, the gospel, it's supreme, it's sufficient, and praise the Lord, it's also simple. God didn't make it difficult. God made it simple for anyone, boy, girl, uh, old or young, to come to Christ. Let's get that gospel out this week. I want to encourage everybody to, again, take some flyers and use those this week to get the gospel, invite people to, uh, to Easter Sunday. And, and uh, each one of these flyers has the gospel printed on them. So if they never come and hear the gospel here uh, personally, uh, they at least have something to read and could get the gospel out. I uh, could could get saved, and so let's let's be faithful this week to take some extra time and a little extra effort uh, in getting in getting the word of God out there in an opportunity where the door is open, people are interested, people are thinking about it. Let's use this opportunity this week to get the gospel.